I will never forget a conversation I had with two individuals after one of my classes. We're talking about life. And one of the people was explaining and in a very warm and kind way of the beautiful life she grew up in, her home, her family, her community. The warmth, the nobility, the dignity. And suddenly, the other person in this conversation says, we live in different universes. I grew up in exactly the opposite type of world, a cold, hostile, dark world. My parents were very angry people. As I grew into an adult, always had to deal with people backstabbing, selfishness, narcissism, a cold world. And the way he described it, literally, I remember, it brought me to tears. And we were speaking about this contrast, how people have different perspectives, different experiences. And of course, there's the combination, sometimes things are beautiful, and sometimes things are, are dark and cold. So please join me in this important talk, How to Warm Your Soul in a Cold World. That despite the coldness, the darkness, the hostility, and yes, the conflicts and discord and how self-interest conflicts with one another, yet we have the resources to warm ourselves and warm others, no matter how cold it is out there. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and welcome. We will be discussing how to warm your soul in a cold world. This program is dedicated by Lawrence Obstfeld in loving memory of his father, Ephraim Ben Mendel. I will never forget a conversation that happened years ago after one of my classes. So... People were hanging around afterwards, we would talk. And two people, one was a woman, one was a man, they knew each other slightly at work. And we were speaking about life. It was part of the theme that I was discussing that evening. It was about, is this world a beautiful place or is it an ugly place? And the woman began to share her beautiful experiences, her childhood, her home. She remembered her grandparents, her parents, her family and community, all with this beauty and warmth and dignity, nobility. Yes, of course, life, she said, has sometimes difficulties, but overall, the environment I grew up in was warm and bright, were her words. Suddenly, the other, the other person, the guy, he, he jumps up and says, I don't know what universe you come from. I lived in a very different world. My home was an angry place. 
It was a hostile place. There was fighting. Every night I remember going to sleep, my parents yelling at each other. And that extended to the larger family. I grew up in a very cold and hostile world, a very cold and dark place. And the way he expressed it, you saw the anguish in every word, literally brought me to tears. But above all, the contrast was so glaring. And over the years, I've come to learn, obviously, as we all have, that there are different experiences. People sometimes have one experience, the other. And sometimes it's a combination. There are days that are beautiful. We'll call them bright and warm. And there are days that are cold and dark. And then, of course, the extremes. So let's discuss this. Because the most important thing we want to learn is that we're not victim of circumstances. We're not victims of circumstances. We're not a product of circumstances. Circumstances happen, but you don't have to allow it to shape you. It happens to you. The question is, how do you navigate it? So despite what kind of home or kind of environment and kind of community you grew up in, you have the power to do something about it. That's the bottom line. You can be proactive, not reactive. You can take initiative. You can lead the way and change your attitude. And yes, even in a cold and dark world, to bring warmth and light and brightness, both to yourself and to those around you. But let's look at this a little closer now. Why is it that we often feel that we are victim of circumstances? Because no one ever told us otherwise. So when something happens to you, very often you'll blame yourself. Maybe I should have done something different. Maybe I deserved it. Maybe it's a punishment. Remember, people who hurt us don't come back and say to you, you know what, you, you, I, I made a mistake and I'm sorry. Well, sometimes it happens. But in most cases, they perpetuate it or justify it with excuses, which ends up saying is that you're at fault. That's what children do. Children blame themselves for the crimes of their parents because they can't see and, and fathom that their parents should have done such a bad thing. This is a phenomenon that's well known. Children blame themselves if there's a divorce. Now you think logically, rationally, what did you do? What the children didn't cause the divorce. But you look at your parents with a certain idealism, heroes, and when you suddenly see something that doesn't fit that model, the first instinct is not to blame the parents, it's to blame yourself. But let's not over digress. It's important to understand why we think that way. But the fact is exact opposite. You're never a victim. And that comes back to looking at ourselves and who we are. So let me share a story. I heard this from a rabbi that lived many years in Nashville, Tennessee. I believe he moved there in the late 40s. And he built a Jewish community. I heard the story from him. When he was a young man in New York in the mid-40s, 
So he was the student in the yeshiva. The previous Lubavitcher Chabad Rebbe called him in once and sent him, said, I want to send you on a mission, on a shlichut, on a, to represent me. I think it was somewhere in the Midwest, not a uh, long-term thing, for a while, a week or two, to reach out to Jews, reach out to people, communicate, inspire, educate. He never did this before, so he had a certain tentativeness. Didn't feel he had the confidence to do it. The Rebbe sensed that there was this hesitation, and this is the way he told me. He says, the Rebbe had then had, had, had was after a stroke. He had suffered a stroke a little while earlier, a few years earlier, which had affected his speech. So though he could speak, but not everybody can fully understand it, so there was always a secretary in the room to help interpret, if need be. And also the Rebbe used his hands very demonstratively to help communicate his point. So the Rebbe looked at me, he said, with his very empathetic eyes. And he said the following. When a soul has to come to this world, it doesn't want to go. A soul, a heavenly, divine, spiritual soul. Why? Because the environment at which it lives is bright and warm. In the spiritual sense. It's like a fish in water. The soul is basking in spiritual delight and ecstasy through connecting to different transcendent states of consciousness. So why would it want to come to this world, which is a dark and cold world, a hostile world, a materialistic world, where you have to struggle, whether it's with health, whether it's with people, whether it's with conflict. And it's an effort to find spiritual light and warmth in this cold and dark world. So soul doesn't want to go. So what do they do? I remember some of the hand gestures, so I'm using them. And he said, so the Rebbe took his finger, and as he spoke, his finger up here, high up, and he said, so the soul is told you have to go. You have to go from a bright and warm place. In Yiddish, the words are lichtikum vadim, words bright and warm, and his finger, he said, slightly trembling, began to go like this. And you have to go down. This is what the soul is told. And the finger kept on going, he says, all the way down. And you, the soul, has to come down to a world that is cold and dark. Kaltum Finster is the Yiddish, cold and dark. And in this world where it's cold and dark, and then the Rebbe did this, you need to brighten and warm the coldness and the darkness. That's what the soul is told. That's its mission. This young student got the message. And of course he went. And he told me, he said, over the years, the different missions I, I went on and finally ended up in Nashville, there were many times it was cold and dark. Many times, many challenges, many setbacks, as we all go through in life. But I always remember the finger. And I always felt that that finger was going with me. I held on to it. Because that was what my anchor. That gave me the strength that even when I go down into the cold and dark, no matter where I am, I have the power 
to bring light and warmth. Powerful story. Let's explain it a bit more. In the book of Proverbs, Proverbs, it says that the soul of a human being is a flame of God. It's a divine flame. That's the description, a flame. What is a flame? A flame illuminates and warms its environment. That's the inherent you. You are a flame that is naturally, intrinsically, warm and bright. Now, this flame could exist in a very warm and bright environment. And then, of course, it's like it's at home. It's home. But it could also enter a cold and dark place. And it has the power, because it's na- that's its nature, to warm and illuminate the environment, like we see. Go into a dark, cold room, and you bring a flame in there, automatically, without any effort. The flame doesn't have to invest, does not need to battle. There's no conflict, there's no resistance. Automatically, a little light dispels darkness. A little warmth makes it a bit warmer. Now, obviously, if it's a very dark and cold room and a large one, you need more flame. You need more light. You need more warmth. But in the area where the flame burns, it's, it's naturally superior to darkness and cold, which tells us something. It's not like fire and water. It comes to fire and water, enough fire can evaporate large bodies of water. Enough water can extinguish the biggest fire. They are adversaries. And it's a battle. As you see, when water and fire meet, it starts to crackle and it's not automatic. Light and dark, it doesn't work that way. So if you are an ambassador of light, if you are personification of light and warmth, you carry that all the time, no matter where you are. That is not the language of a victim. That means you have all the power you need to illuminate and to warm your environment, of course yourself as well. However, one, we need to know this. Two, we need the strength and courage to access that fire within you. If not, the environment can in turn turn on you. So as children, defenseless, vulnerable children, impressionable, if we are environment, unfortunately, tragically, God forbid, that's cold and dark, for whatever reason, yes, we're susceptible and will affect us. That doesn't mean that the fire in your soul disappears. It just means it's being suppressed. It's being subdued. It's being covered up, which is what makes the tragedy so profound. On the other hand, parents that are nurturing, an environment that's nurturing, what do you think is happening? It's allowing the fire of your soul, the flame, the warmth, the light, to express itself. That's the beauty of a healthy, nurturing environment. It validates, it encourages, it nourishes, and cultivates the natural you. By contrast, when that doesn't happen, you begin to find other tools to survive, to protect, to defend yourself. But that's called surviving. That's existing. That's not being the real you. 
So the first thing is we need to discover who you are. Who am I? You are a burning fire, a beautiful fire. That may have been somewhat suppressed, that may have been somewhat concealed, but it's a fire waiting to be released. Which also explains something else. When it's not released, what happens? A frustration is built up, and sometimes that fire explodes, and that can explode in rage and anger, even in destructive behavior, because the fire cannot be bottled up forever. It's going to implode or explode. However, in a healthy form of expression, the fire is harnessed into warmth and to light. So when you see someone, you can feel immediately as they warm your heart or bring you clarity or light, you feel it. Where do they have that from? The answer is they have it naturally in them and it was cultivated and nurtured either by their environment or through their own effort. So the first thing we must remember, that's who you inherently are. So whatever's going on outside is your environment that's around you. It could be freezing cold, but you're bringing warmth. It could be extremely dark, but you're bringing light. We all know the power of that one line from Shakespeare, the title of one of his uh, plays. A Midsummer's Night's Dream. A Midsummer Night's Dream. It evokes all those midsummer dreams, idealism, romance. So I was thinking, there's the other, the other extreme. A midwinter's day's cold. We all know what that feels like. Chilled. Looking for some respite. And our response to that is, we have the warmth and the light within you to warm and illuminate even a midwinter's chill. Maybe a morning chill, even more than an afternoon. So how do we actually do this in practicality? How do you feed a flame? You, you either ignite it or you fan it. In our case, it doesn't have to be ignited from scratch because the positive flame is there, even if you don't feel it or and no one else feels it. So it needs to be fanned. How do you get a flame going? So you need fuel and you need effort. So there's another verse in Proverbs that says, the flame, the candle of a mitzvah and the light of Torah. Ne'er mitzvah v'Torah are. But let's explain that in simple English. The word mitzvah means connection. That's its real meaning, not commandment, connection. A good deed. When you do something good, when you're kind to somebody, you're charitable, virtuous, just, compassionate. You're not just doing the right thing. Many people say it's the right thing to be nice to others, especially if you've been blessed. Share with others. Something deeper than that. You're actually being nice to yourself when you're nice to others. It's like exercising a muscle. When you exercise your muscle, it doesn't just make you stronger. You can do bigger feats, carry heavier weights, run longer, have more stamina. It actually strengthens your muscle. So we have within our soul, that flame is made up of parts. 
just like the body is made up of parts. And one of them is called kindness, chesed. So when you do chesed, in addition to helping the other, you're also exercising the muscle called kindness and love within you. So how do you get your flame and your soul active? By actualizing its attributes, its faculties. And they break into 10 faculties, 10 attributes. Three cognitive ones, seven emotional ones. To spell them out, these are the 10 spheres in the Kabbalistic and mystical, the Kabbalistic and mystical teachings. Chachma bina das, conception, understanding, and conclusion on the cognitive level. Emotions, love, kindness, discipline, compassion, or empathy, determination, ambition, yielding, humility, bonding, and dignity. If you're familiar with my book on the counting of the Omer, the spiritual guide to counting the Omer, I go through the last seven in detail, how it breaks down. These are, this is your spiritual DNA. So just as your body needs vitamins and minerals and different parts of the body require different type of nourishment and nutrients. The soul also needs nutrients. And that's how the, f- the flame is fed. Be kind to someone, and your fire gets, start- gets stronger. Now many people say, well, if it wasn't such a cold, hostile world, I'd, I'd be very kind. But now I have to protect myself. But that's defensive mode. That's vic- victim mode. Go back to the fact is that your soul is always a fire no matter what. And it always has warmth and light. So instead of giving in to your psychological fears or psychological insecurities that don't have it, just act on it. Even if you don't feel it, just act kind and that fire gets stronger. Try it out. Serve someone else. I don't mean that in a subservient way. I mean serve not yourself, but be of service to others. What can I do to help another? Should be the question. That's not just healthy thinking, it's actually good for you. Good for your fire, good for your flame, good for your light and for your illumination. And light and, light and warmth actually breeds light and warmth because every time you do that, it gets stronger and it feeds on each other and then you want more of that. That's how you grow, that's how you develop and that's how you move from reactive to proactive. So the world is a cold place. It is a hostile place. It has much beauty, but especially if you go with some psychological models like Freudian and others, it's quite depressing to know that the driving force in a person is the id, the sexual libido, pleasure, me, me, me. And yes, we can regulate it with an ego and superego. What kind of hope for mankind does that have? That means ultimately we're all selfish creatures, survival of the fittest, what I like to call the Darwinian-Freudian model, even though Darwin spoke about it in a particular sense, but we call social Darwinism. Me, 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 survival of the fittest. Dog eats dog. Yes, we'll be kind to each other as many scientific theories go today, because that's also part of my selfish needs. Or in Richard Dawkins' classic title of his book, The Selfish Gene, the very gene is selfish. That's a cold, hostile world. That doesn't mean there isn't beauty. That doesn't mean there isn't charity. There isn't kindness. But the kindness ultimately is also an expression of selfishness because that's how I survive. Comes a very different alternative approach. 
No, you are a divine soul created in the divine image. You're essentially a, a divine flame, a transcendent energy that manifests in warmth and light. That's the real essential you. The pintle yid, more than the id, the yid, the spark, the dot. When I say that, I mean that universally. Everybody has that divine spark. It's not just a Jewish, it's a universal concept. And that's the essential you. Don't ever buy into someone else's narrative, whatever you were told or whatever you were, was implied, whatever the world is telling you. That all you are, is your value is only based on if it helps me or it helps the bottom line or brings more money to the company, that's your value. No, your value is because you are an indispensable fire that has to bring a unique flame, unique warmth and light to the world around you. With that attitude, you go into the world very differently. You're not here to protect yourself only. You're here to be on the best defense is offense. So of course when it's cold, we need to put on a fur coat and we need to warm ourselves to keep warm. But even more than that, we need to give off warmth. That's the ultimate goal. There's a Hasidic expression that there's a difference between, in Yiddish expression, tzaddik and pelts. A tzaddik, a righteous person that wears a pelts is a fur coat, a very heavy fur coat. So in the cold, he keeps warm, but no one else is warm. And then there's a higher level. You light a very beautiful furnace, fire. So not only are you warm, but everyone around you is also warm. And that adds in your warmth as well. When you warm another, you get warmer. I tell that story, analogy. Two people got lost in the cold forest. A very wintry, frosty night, snowing below zero. One was a heavy set individual, one was a quite slim, quite frail, actually. And as the night wore on, they could not find their way. You could imagine. So the person who was just bones, barely, began to pass out. The one with the more, uh, I'll call it blubber, more, let's call it fat, was able to uh, withstand it a little longer. But as he saw his friend pass out, he got down on his hands and knees and began to massage him to get his circulation going. Shouldn't go into a frostbite and, God forbid, but the night wore on and it continued to get colder and he didn't have strength any longer and he almost also passed out. And miraculously, someone came by, a wagon, and picked them both up, brought them to a local inn where they warmed up by the fire and they both survived. So the frail man came to the heavy set man, his partner, and said to him, I need to thank you. You could have easily just left me alone there, freezing in the cold, and, and just went off on your own. But you made the effort to keep my blood going, and that saved my life. And the heavier set man said to him, no, I have to thank you. Because had I not exerted myself, I too would have passed out earlier. Because he had to work hard. And as he worked hard, he had to get his circulation going. Fascinating. Helping another helps yourself. I'm not suggesting that it should be done for that reason, as I just spoke about the selfish gene. But it's important to know because that's who you are. You're essentially an entity of light and warmth. And you become healthier when you give off light and warmth. 
That's why you see people, how frustrated they get when they don't feel they're accomplishing something, when they don't feel they're illuminating, when they feel they're not contributing. One of the first things I tell anyone who comes to me with any issues in life, no matter what it is, if they're capable, unless they're, it's impossible, then they need other type of intervention. I say, do one thing a day where when you go to sleep, you say, I'm proud of what I did today. Because very often, negative feelings about yourself feed into the negative, and you end up not accomplishing anything. So it becomes a vicious cycle of a self-fulfilled doomsday prophecy that I'm not capable. And then that just continues to perpetuate. Do one thing at least a day and say, today I did something, I helped someone, I volunteered, I helped a needy child, I spoke to someone, I sent a beautiful message to someone who needed a little warmth or light. And then you go to sleep with that feeling. That alone builds up confidence and you'll do it twice as much the next day. So it's not always getting into the right mood. It's sometimes doing what's right and that will get you into the right mood. There's a famous statement that was said. Someone will say, if my life was going well, I'd be happier. And the answer is, if you were happier, your life would go better, would go well. So we control that. Is it difficult? There are times it's difficult because sometimes we feel we're a product of the cold and the dark. But you're not. Remember, soul comes down into a dark and cold world to illuminate, to warm, to brighten. And you have that power. So no matter what we're, situation we're in, no matter what we're going through, never lose sight. Never lose, lose awareness of what you're capable of, of what you have within you. And as always, have a friend, two friends, a mentor, anyone that helps remind you if you need it. It's always good to have someone who's more objective because sometimes we get blinded by our situations. We become myopic. So it's good to have people who remind you, encourage you, and believe in you. And that's how we warm, how you warm your soul in a cold world, and how you warm others. And if each of us does that accumulatively, all these flames come together. And what happens when flames come together? It becomes a great bright flame that overpowers naturally and dispels all the darkness. And we firmly believe that if each of us does that, we will accumulatively and collectively create that synergy, that harmony, that will indeed transform this world and bring personal and global redemption. This has been Simon Jacobson. I thank you for listening. I'd love to hear your feedback, thoughts, comments, suggestions. And of course, please share. If you felt this brought some light and warmth to you, share the light and the warmth. That's what we're here for. Share your light and warmth. Hopefully this resonates. And that's what our mission is at the Meaningful Life Center. Myself and my entire wonderful team completely committed to do whatever we can to bring our light and warmth, to ignite or to fan the flames of your light and warmth 
and empower you with all the tools and resources you need to warm and brighten your environment, yourself, your family, your community. So join us. Check it out at MeaningfulLife.com. Check out our programs. We have a whole slew of different, a wide array of different topics that cover different uh, issues. And again, love to hear your feedback. There's nothing like the synergy of a back and forth. Thank you again. Be well, be blessed. Illuminate and warm everyone and everything you come in contact with. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.